Imagine for a moment that you're in this synagogue in Capernaum and you heard Jesus say this from John 6, 54. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise them up at the last day for my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. I was thinking about this the other day, and I really believe if that happened today, about the time he said this, parents would probably begin ushering their kids out of the room. I mean, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. It has kind of the overtones of a zombie apocalypse. There are a lot of differences in this first century Mideast culture and our 21st century Western civilization. But what Jesus said there, if, if we're truly being honest with Scripture, it's strange in any time period, and it caused the murmuring to increase. Now, while this is taking place, the 12 disciples, they're watching, they're listening to Jesus, and they're watching what's going on with the crowd, and they're thinking how, man, it was just a few hours ago, Jesus had these people wanting to make him king. Oh, Jesus, whatever you do, don't lose them now. Then as he continues this strange-sounding teaching, John records In verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And the particular use of the word disciple there is is not referring to just the 12. It's referring to a larger group of disciples. People who were following Jesus. They drawn not just by his miracles, but also by his teachings. People who had a level of commitment to him. Until this teaching. This was just strange. And we're told that a larger group of his disciples, his followers, began to say, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Who can embrace this? Who who could even go along with it? And the crowd continues to question and turn against him. The 61st verse says, Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, Does this offend you? (laughs) I love that. Does this offend you? And he's asking them, Is this too hard? Is it it too much for you to take in? Does, Does this offend you? And suddenly, for many in the crowd, this became the most crucial moment in all their lives. John wrote in verse 66, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It was a a point of transition. It was a point of change. For many of them. 
these followers recognized, I really love the miracles. I love what Jesus teaches. I'm particularly fond of how he put all those know-it-all Pharisees in their place. I really like that. And the idea of being rid of Rome, that's really appealing. But this stuff about you coming from heaven and, and eating your flesh and drinking your blood, that's just over the line. That's a deal breaker for me. I don't, I don't think I can go there. The Bible says they turned away and no longer followed him. Now, the closer-knit group, the, the, the 12 disciples, those who had been with Jesus longer, had, had drawn more from him, they're listening to Jesus and watching the crowd, and they see the people beginning to turn and walk away from him. And they're recognizing some of these are people, they're good people. They're, they're people who really were following. And the question begins to enter their minds, you know, should I rethink my decision? Should I step away too? Should I leave before this ship sinks? I mean, it'd be easy to do. I could act like, oh, Jesus, just a minute. I'm going to go see if I can't help these people to come back, those that are leaving, and just never come back myself. I could simply disappear into the crowd. Should I no longer follow him? This is starting to look like something that is going to cost me a lot. Am I willing to risk more to stay with him? Uh, one of the things about... Have you, ever, have you ever thought, man, it would be great to have walked with Jesus and camped with him and I, I have. I've thought about what, how cool it would have been to have been around a campfire with Jesus. But one of the things about traveling with or being around him is you never really kept secrets from him. He knows. He reads the hearts of men. He knows what they're thinking. And, and he stops in the middle of this sermon and he says to the twelve, you don't want to leave me too. Do you? You guys aren't... You're not thinking about leaving with these others, are you? They knew. The twelve knew. You, don't, you just simply don't lie to Jesus, not just because it's a sin, but because he reads what's in your heart. We find examples of that all through the Gospels. Jesus would be talking and someone in the crowd would be thinking about what he said and suddenly have a question and before they could ask it, Jesus would answer it. He would see the Pharisees murmuring and, and plotting and planning a question to try to trip him up and Jesus would know exactly what they were thinking and respond to their thoughts and their questions before they spoke. So when you're in his presence, you don't lie because you know he knows your thoughts. That's 
that's a wonderful thing because it allows us to be completely open with him when reading his word. Jesus looks at his 12 closest disciples and asks, you don't want to leave me too, do you? I keep looking at this scene and I see, to me, this is such an extremely relevant passage for each of us. Because at different points in life, while following Jesus, there will be times when, like the disciples, we're going to find ourselves considering, this is costing too much. This is, this is calling for so much. And we'll find ourselves thinking about maybe just disappearing into the crowd. And I can tell you when those times are most likely to happen, times of transition, times of change. When we enter various transition points in life, whether, whether it's a change in relationship status or a transition from high school to college or sometimes middle school to high school, maybe that job promotion that it's a great job promotion but it demands more and more time or or maybe it means you need to relocate and you end up in a town where you don't know anyone and suddenly surrounded by people who don't share your values and you don't have anyone around to help hold you accountable times of transition are times of great temptation I know you, you folks have just gone through a pastoral change within a year. Same with us. Times of transition. We noticed a number of people who found it really easy to lay aside different ministries they'd been involved in during that transition. I, I, I just think this is a good time to step away from this and here's, here's and let someone else have the blessing. <laughs> and one of the dangers of that is before long, if they're not really careful, you look around and you realize they disappeared into the crowd. also noticed God brings new people in. It's a wonderful thing. But you always are wondering about what about those who disappeared into the crowd? This, this needs to be clear. The temptation to no longer actively follow Jesus, it won't come because we changed our mind and we no longer think what Jesus said is true. That may happen occasionally, but it's very, very, very rare. The reason people quit actively seeking after and following Christ is what we see here in John. It begins to feel too challenging, too difficult. It becomes 
really inconvenient. It leaves me feeling isolated. I end up feeling alone. The primary reason people determine to slip away into the crowd is because it doesn't seem as important in light of everything else in life. We can find ourselves thinking, you know, when, when I was at home and my parents were around or my friends were around, following him was really important. It was part of life. But now... I'm away at college, or I started this new job somewhere else, and it just doesn't seem to be as important anymore. Besides, I can't find a church like what I'm used to, and everyone else is sleeping in. And this is, this is really not an age-specific event. This can happen at any transition in life. For the recent empty nester or retiree. It may seem that serving him, following him this closely is just asking too much. It was, it was important when the kids were home that we stay involved, but it's time to relax some. It, it's a good time to slip away, to disappear into the crowd. Following him just doesn't seem to matter as much now as it did. The temptation can be relational. Networking is really important at my job. It's all about building relationships and actively following and serving Jesus can get to be really inconvenient. This is one that I have dealt with with different people before or You know, I never imagined that someone like her would be interested in me. This could be a him or a her. goes both ways. I know, I know she's not a Christian, but she is beautiful. And, I mean, anyone can become a Christian, but not everybody's beautiful. And then little by little, more and more, we realize, I love her, or I love him. And we come to see more frequently this arrangement of following and truly serving Jesus tends to get in our way more and more. And it doesn't have, any, it doesn't have a thing to do with whether or not I believe what Jesus says. It's not that. It's simply following him, seeking him, obeying him, has just become too difficult. It's costing too much. It's too inconvenient. And we, we think we can just slip back into the crowd. Not leave, but just lose ourselves in the crowd. It could be you're simply going through a, a tough time, and you've always believed, but... Recently, it seems that God is not listening when you pray. You know better than that. But it's become so frustrating because God seems so quiet. 
you've always believed if you obey, if you pray, if you do the right things, life will work out. And you've been doing those things, and yet life is not working out. And you find yourself thinking, why am I trying? And you're tempted to just disappear into the crowd. That's exactly what was taking place that day in the synagogue. And it's what happens with us. It's like Jesus reads our mind, our heart. And here we are sitting in church and thinking, how, how did he know that? Because Jesus is asking, you're not thinking about leaving me too, are you? That's an incredible question for all believers. And as we mentioned, this can, it, it, does, it takes place at any age, in any number of circumstances. Whatever part or stage of life you may be in, there comes a point where we're called to determine, will I continue pressing in? Will I continue following him? Even when it's inconvenient, even when it's difficult, Will I continue to follow him in spite of what it means to my relationships or my career? Will I follow him even if it means doing so will alienate me even more from those that are around me? Peter, Andrew, James, Matthew, John, Bartholomew, all of the disciples, these men who had traveled with and been face-to-face with Jesus. All of them had a moment like that. A time where they questioned if they should continue to follow Jesus because they began to recognize that doing so was going to cost them. It cost all 12 their life. In the synagogue, as they silently watch the crowd begin to disappear, there's a pause, and then they hear Jesus asking them, you're not thinking about leaving me too, are you? Wow. What do you say? I mean, they certainly can't lie to him because he knows their hearts. What do they say? And it's in this high-stakes moment that Peter, the one who is often called on the carpet for saying the wrong thing at the wrong time, he says something so insightful, so powerful, that the next time you sense one of these transition points in your life, use what he said. Remember what he said. Jesus said, you don't want to leave me too, do you? And in verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. If you'll notice, Peter really didn't answer the question. He may have been thinking about it, but he realized Something that many people don't see until it's too late. Peter realized 
if I don't follow Jesus, who will I follow? He knew we will all follow. Bob Dylan was right years ago. You're going to serve somebody. We will all follow. We will all serve something or someone, even if it's just our own desires. We will all serve, and if not Jesus, then who? It became clear to Peter, if he backed away from following Jesus, if he chose to just disappear into the crowd... If that was what he determined to do and, and, and no longer follow Jesus, in effect, he was stepping into following something else. And it was as if Peter said, look, I did a quick evaluation of the other options, and yes, this is very uncomfortable right now. And honestly, I might like to slip away. I do wish right now that my life circumstances were different than they are but the bottom line is, where else would I go? This is so important for those who are thinking of just backing off, just slipping away into the crowd. And in recording all of this, John helps us see some of Peter's thought process. He said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And Peter's just simply saying, Jesus, no one else has ever offered us what you offer. When we were fishing and you called us to follow you, you gave us a purpose for life. You gave us meaning. So what am I going to do? Go back home and go fishing? I know what that will look like. I'll go back. I'll reconnect with family. I'll have some kids if I'm lucky, maybe long enough to live long enough to see grandkids, and then I'll die. But Jesus, you have offered us life. You've, you've offered to use us, to work with you, to establish and build your kingdom. And yeah, right now, I don't like it. It's difficult. It's stressful. I'm not getting the full picture. But you have called us into something that is real and lasting. Where else would I go? I believe this to be so incredibly relevant for today, for us, as, as followers of Jesus. Each of us have been invited into this incredible, amazing narrative. It began at creation. It was highlighted by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now we have been called to follow him. To follow the Savior of the world. To help establish and build a kingdom that will never end. What are you going to do if you don't do that? What plans could you possibly have that would outweigh 
what he calls us to be part of. I mean, really? Do, do you think there's anything in life so completely satisfying that you would honestly look back and say, oh, I am so glad that I quit following the Savior, the King of the world. If I hadn't, I never would have been able to do what? I never would have been able to make a little more money that we're going to leave behind anyway. One of the things about choosing to simply disappear in the crowd is that someday there, there was a point, I believe, where those who disappeared into the crowd looked back and wished they could change that decision. To, to what else... Peter said, we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. He's saying, Jesus, we've seen too much. We've seen how you've changed us, how your grace has worked in our life. We've seen too much. We know who you are. Jesus, if we leave you now and live to become old men, we will regret our decision beyond words. So why would we ever choose to stop following you now? To whom would we go? To whom would we go? I think that's one of the great questions in the life of a, a follower of Christ. Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of life. I think it needs to be the question we ask in those times of struggle and temptation in a, in a time of transition or when we're being tempted to turn from the level of commitment we know to be right and just simply disappear into the crowd. In those times, we need to ask ourselves, okay, if not Jesus, then who? If not Christianity, then what? Is there anyone else that offers eternal life? Is there anyone else inviting us into a narrative, a story bigger than your life? Anyone else offering to accompany you on an adventure that's going to go on into eternity? I never ask people to do this. I'm going to ask you all to do something with me. I want you to say this with me. To whom shall I go? To whom shall I go? Do it again. To whom shall I go? Sometimes we're, we come to the opinion that questions in the area, in the arena of faith that having questions is negative. Questions are not negatives. When we go through transitions or temptation or troubles, it can seem that questions come out of the woodwork, but that's not necessarily bad. We'll always have questions in times like these, in times of change, in times of being tempted, and just in plain troubling times. And we find questions like, how could God let this happen? Where is God in this mess? Having those kind of questions is fine. They're, 
they can be part of a, of a living faith. But stepping away and no longer following him without first answering that question, to whom would I go? Deciding to move away from him before you answer that question is a huge mistake. The fact that we don't have an answer for genuinely troubling questions doesn't mean there's no answer. It simply means we don't know the answer yet. If Peter were asked, Peter, what will happen if you continue following Jesus and everyone else, all his other followers turn away? What will happen? I don't know. Peter, isn't that enough reason to walk away? No. Peter, it it looks like God has abandoned you. But that doesn't mean God has abandoned me. There are questions in all of life. That's okay, it's fine. Just don't walk away because you don't have an answer to a question yet. Salvation is free. Cost us nothing. Following Christ will cost. But choosing to step back into losing yourself in the crowd, that can cost everything. Embrace the questions of life. Don't fear them. Don't run from them. And be sure to include this vitally important question, to whom shall I go? I'd like to pray for you, each of you, before I leave today. And and invite you to pray with me. Father, first off, I want to thank you for these brothers and sisters, Lord. You have made me feel that relationship that exists. Thank you for that. And I thank you, Lord, for being sure the record of this conversation from over 2,000 years ago has been saved and made available for us. Thank you for inspiring Peter to ask this question. Lord, I ask today that with the young people, the moms, the dads, the the seniors, Lord, with everyone here. As we face those points in life of transition, of, of temptation to back away, that we would recognize you have made us part of something so great. I thank you, Lord, that you included me in your plan. And each of those gathered here, we all have a place you intend us to fill. And I pray, Lord, that as we step into 2020, this church would find this coming 12-month period to be the greatest in our history. 
because of trusting you. Each day, trusting you. Amen.